0: But uh, notice that we've been referring to Sundays as the Lord's Day. This is because this is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And uh, this is an exciting time. And uh, I really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys could notice we're having scripture reading every Sunday, every Lord's Day, just to highlight how much we believe in the inerrancy the sufficiency and authority of God's Word. So Debbie, thank you so much for taking us to Romans chapter 8. And this is going to tie into what we're preaching today. And I was just thinking about it. You know, normally we we would have been on our series on 1 Corinthians, which will which will continue. But we're going to take a break from 1 Corinthians this week. So I was praying about it and talking to some of our pastors. You know, it's just kind of... A, being able to interpret 2020 into kind of how we to look forward to 2021. With that, it was important to kind of preach through Romans chapter 8. And so today, we're going to be at Romans 8, 28, uh, 29, and 30. But notice as Debbie read, I'm just going to highlight some of the things that she read out of Romans eight eighteen. She talked about sufferings of the present time. Verse 22, we talked, she talked about or she read about how creation groans and suffers. Out of Romans 8.23, talk, it talks about how we, Christians, groan within ourselves. Romans 8.25 talked about perseverance, meaning how to endure pressure and, and, and tribulation. Verse 26, Debbie read about how the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The theme of Romans 8 is about how to handle suffering, how to handle hardships, how to handle our weaknesses. And so today, as we prayed about it, I felt led to preach out of Romans 8.28. And Romans eight twenty eight twenty eight is to help us, to kind of help uh, interpret the year 2020. It was an extremely difficult year. And 2021, we're hopeful, but you know what? We don't have any idea how 2021 is going to go. We're all hopeful. I'm hopeful that things will get more positive, but we don't know this. So we need to have a very clear idea on how God is working, so that we could understand the times. So therefore, we're opening up our preaching series or or, our Lord's Day in 2021 with a well-known scripture. This is one of the most beloved scriptures, pieces of scripture in all the Bible. This scripture that we're going to uh, preach on today and read has given comfort to countless number of Christians over the last couple thousand years. This part of scripture has been able to comfort those who have been facing trials. The church for 2,000 years, the, the church has gone to Romans 8:28, 29, and 30. Romans 8:28, 29, and 30 gives us the ability to, to keep getting up when we get knocked down. This is the verse. This is the truth. Brothers and sisters, whether you're here in person or online, is going to keep you going and get you fired up for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to be reading out of Romans eight twenty-eight, And let me just read for us here. And if you're able to rise with me, I know we we're doing a lot of up and downs, but you know what? I think that helps. That helps. We have a lot of group participation here. Pastor Michael has us clapping at times. Uh, Debbie had us rise. We sing. This is why we do this together. We're, we're experiencing this together. Romans 8.28. This is God's word. And we know that God causes all things to, to, things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your precious, precious word. I pray your spirit will allow your word to be preached with power and conviction. Let this be about you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we will know you more through this time. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Please have a seat. Please have a seat. Romans eight twenty eight. In a book by one of my uh, preaching professors, Doctor Stephen Lawson, he wrote a book called "Show Me Your Glory," and I took an excerpt out of there, and I wanted to open up the sermon with this, with what he wrote. Chapter one opens up with this. Uh, uh, this account of how Ligonier Ministry started. This is a mini- uh, worldwide ministry started by Dr. R.C. Sproul. Dr. Uh, Lawson writes, In the early years of Ligonier Ministries, when its outreach began to blossom and expand, a consultant was brought in to meet with its founder, Dr. R.C. Sproul. The goal is to develop a vision and a strategy for this rapidly growing ministry. In the initial phase, a consultant asked Dr. Sproul two diagnostic questions. The first was this, what is the greatest need of the people in the world? Right? What is the greatest need of the people in the world? Without hesitation, Dr. Sproul answered, people in the world need to know who God is. People in the world need to know who God is. All right, probing deeper to better understand the focus of the ministry, the consultant then asked, What is the greatest need of the people in the church? In the church. Dr. Sproul again answered without hesitation people in the church need to know who God is. Amen. This is what we're here for. This is why we preach Christ every Sunday. This is why we preach the Bible every Sunday. Because the more we know Christ, the more we know God. The more we know God, the more confidence we have as we approach years such as 2020 or even approach the unknown of 2021. So Dr. Sproul is exactly right. We need to know God more. And this is what we're about. And as Pastor Mako has talked about, as even Pastor Kenny last week talked about, how discipleship is a central theme of our church. This is what God has charged us to do. Matthew 28. Pastor Mako read that for us last week. And God, the all-powerful, the all-loving, the all-wise, is the one who's discipling us right now. Remember, brothers and sisters, we're called to make disciples but God doesn't call us to do things he hasn't done before. He is currently discipling you and me right now under the conditions. And this, is kind of, this sermon will give us a lot of clarity from God's perspective on how he's discipling us. Oftentimes we focus in on how can I disciple other people? How can I raise up my children? How can I disciple my wife? How can I disciple my teammates? So forth and so on. But it's important to see from God's perspective how he does it in the way that only <laughs> that he could do it. So today we're looking at discipleship from God's perspe- perspective. And we're going to understand how God is discipling us today. The three points, just so you could follow along. If you have your app notes, it's right there. But if you're writing it down, I just want to give you a preview so you can follow along a little bit easier. We're going to talk about how God disciples us through providence. We're talking about the great doctrine of providence today. Second point, we're going to talk about how God disciples us to perfection. What is God's goal in discipling us? Thirdly, and finally, God disciples us with a promise. How he guarantees his work that he started to do. So let's get to our first point. How does God disciple his church? How is God discipling Evergreen SGV? Point number one, God disciples us through providence, through providence. And so you may ask, Pastor, what is providence? What is this word? I've heard this word used before. I might even use it, but what is providence exactly? Let's read Romans 28, 28. To look to what God says, what providence is. Bible says, and we know that God causes all things, all things, to work together, to work together for good to those who love God. There is providence in God's word. The two concepts that we're going to focus in here to understand what providence is this all things, we're going to find out what all things mean and we're going to dig into how, work, how he works everything together. All right, so first point of, of, of this first sub point of first point here all things, God causes all things. This is an all encompassing thing. God uses everything the good, the bad. And the neutral, all right? He uses everything from the, the whole range, the good, the bad, and the neutral. And 2020 had everything, amen? I mean, I know we, we talked about how hard it's been, but there's a lot of good things that took place in 2020 as well. There were weddings, people were married, that's a good thing. Children were born, that's a wonderful thing. We've had people graduate, that's a wonderful thing, wonderful accomplishment. Many of us have had job security. I know we all can't say that, but many of us had. And this is a wonderful grace by God. Perhaps some of us have been rejoicing. I've been able to spend more time with my family, Pastor. I've been less distracted. We've been able to come together as a family. These are wonderful things. These are good things. Now let's talk about some of the bad things perhaps out of 2020. There's disease, obviously, with COVID-19. There's disasters. I mean, just in the San Gilbert Valley, we could see the smoke coming out of our fire uh, from from the uh, mountains. Fires, forest fires are going on for weeks and like months. There's disunity in our nation. Racial tensions, disunity over the elections. That's hard. That's hard. There are deaths. People lost their parents. Many people have lost their parents during this time. This is difficult. Many people have lost loved ones, brothers, sisters, during this time. These are hard. They're great disappointments. Although I mentioned weddings and graduation, the wedding didn't go the way that we had dreamt about all our lives. It was a scaled-down, modified version of weddings. Even graduation. I've heard of wonderful things where colleges or universities were able to drive through uh, graduations and so forth. And so on, even online graduation. But that's not exactly what you envision, right? These are hard things. Businesses had to shut down. Dreams were ended. I mean, these are very hard things. And there are also neutral things that took place. Just day-to-day living. Every day, although a coronavirus was going on, life did not stop. We had to do schooling and so forth. We had to go to work. We still had to get up out of bed. These things kept going. We had to eat. We had to go shopping and grocery shopping, cooking, just the everyday things of our lives. These are neutral things that were taking place by God's grace. Now, Even the elections, I mean, just want to just touch on that lightly here. I mean, some people in our church family may think, wow, that was a bad thing that took place. Some, some people may think that's a good thing, right? Even that is kind of depends on your perspective. You know, was there voter fraud? All that stuff. We're all talking about these things in the media, right? These things have probably been consuming a lot of our time and our thoughts over these weeks and wondering what's going to happen in the next couple weeks. I don't know what's going to happen, but God God does. Right? And so God uses everything, the bad, the good, the bad, and everything in between, the neutral. And what he does, the next thing that he talks about, he to, to work together, to work to God combines all this to make it happen. The word is synergale in the original language. And this is where we derive the word synergism or synergy. And I thought this was a helpful uh, definition I found out of the Cambridge Dictionary. Synergy. What is synergy? Synergy is the combined power, combined power of a group of things when they are working together. That is greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. Synergy. This is what God is doing with the good, the bad, and the and, and neutral to mix it all to something greater than when it's all. Working separately. And God is working all things, the Bible says, together. Ephesians 1.11 talks about He God works at all times according to the counsel of his will. Psalms 135.6, God does everything he pleases. God is the one behind all this. God is in control. Not the computers, not the voters, not politicians, not businessmen. Not people be working be in the shadows. God is the one in control. This is something we need to remember. God is sovereign. That means he's in control of all things. This is that truth that gives us comfort. This is the truth that lets us go to bed at night. Even when the hardest things are going on. Because God is in control. And God has been constantly working. God isn't just responding, oops, oops this was a tough year, let me adjust. Let me re- re- react to what happened. No, no, no. It has been written. It's already been decided. God's story has been decided from the, before the beginning, before the foundations of the earth or, or world was created. So you're asking, Pastor, what is providence? Just keep asking that question. I want us to be very clear about this doctrine. What is Providence. Dr. R.C. Sproul, to borrow from him again, he says there are no maverick molecules. There are no maverick molecules. That means there are no molecules or viruses that are floating around without God knowing. God tells every molecule, every virus, every every atom in the universe to do exactly what it's supposed to do. This is our God. This is part of providence. And God orchestrates everything, the good, the good, and the bad. But let me just make a side note here. Let's just, let me just make it very clear. The Bible says all good and perfect things are from God. However, God is not the author of sin and evil. Just understand that. What he does is he uses it. He allows evil and temptation to take place. And he uses it for his own good. He harmonizes everything to make it good. All right? This is He's the master Chef, he's the master architect who's bringing it all together for good. John MacArthur, Pastor John MacArthur was asked, what is providence? And so he, he he begins by describing what a miracle is. I thought this was very helpful. He says a miracle is when God suspends natural law, when God invades time and space, where there are no explanations such as Raising someone from the dead, walking on water. It's like, whoa, how does that happen? That is a miracle, okay? But Pastor MacArthur would go on to say that providence is a greater miracle than a miracle. What does he mean by that? Let me read what he said. God accomplishing his own ends and his own purposes not by suspending natural law. But by taking all the elements of natural law, by blending them together in a masterful way, that he achieves his purposes, but never interrupts what the natural and normal course of things. He goes on to say, taking all the circumstances, contingencies, actors, or all actors in this God's story, and all our attributes, activities, thoughts, issues, to weave them together. His plan. This is providence. This is providence. So God takes everything, allows everything, influences things, even may even interrupt with a miracle or two here and there, to get history exactly where it's supposed to be right now, at 2021 now. No accidents, brothers and sisters. No accidents. Even the bad he takes... And blends it all together, harmonizes, I like that word, synergy to make it even greater than on its own. Now, there's a promise here. He goes, he is, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Is this good for everybody? No, the Bible qualifies this to those who love God, it says. To those who love God. Now, this is an important thing that I bring up. In the Greek manuscripts, so the New Testament, what Debbie read and what I read was originally written in Greek. In the New Testament manuscripts, to those who love God is brought to the very beginning. What does that mean? In the Greek, this is called emphatic position. That means this is a highlighted point. Whenever you put things first in the Greek, that means listen up. This is a big point. It's like getting a marker and highlighting that point in your Greek Bibles and saying, hey, look, listen up to those who love God. Because this the providence works for good to those who love God for Christians. This is not an overall good for every man, woman, and child. This is these providence is good for Christians, very specific, for his own children, as sons, as adopted sons, as, as Debbie read. And love for God or love for Christ is the most distinguishing mark of a Christian. Somebody loves Christ, man, they're a Christian. I can see how much you love God. man. You are undoubtedly a Christian. So how you love God, how you love Christ, distinguishes you as a believer. It's more than some kind of head knowledge, more some kind of a a passing understanding of who God is. This Christ dominates who you are. I mean, you think about him all the time. He excites you. His word captures you. This is our God you love God and not only that God loves us more importantly he loved us from the beginning we're going to cover that in a second now if you're sitting here maybe you're kind of on a low point in your love relationship with Christ and and just understand this is a blanket statement what God is calling for us is a genuine love for Christ we're all on different parts of our journey as we love the Lord amen I mean I'm part of that Ask my family I've had some ups and downs this weekend even But is it a genuine love for the Lord that you have? We all need to love Christ more. Me included. But this is, do you have a genuine love for the Lord? If you do, you're part of this promise. You're part of the providential goodness. Now, I've been spending a lot of time on this first point because there's a lot to flesh out here. We understand what providence is. How God works it all, mixes it all together to get what he needs to get done for our good. Now, notice the Bible here in Romans 28. This is important how we understand this and how we minister this truth to one another. Notice Romans 8, 28 says, and we know. Yeah, Rocky, I see that. What's the big deal there? We want to make sure we understand every word, right? And not, We don't want to add to words, add to the Bible. We want to know very clearly what the Bible says. Paul wrote what he meant to write. It says, and we know. It doesn't say, and we feel, Why is that important, Pastor? Well, because all things do not feel good. All things do not feel good. It doesn't feel good to lose a parent. It doesn't feel good to see your child get sick. It doesn't feel good to see family members separated through divorce or conflict. That doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to watch a spouse or child suffer depression. That doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel to good Go go through any of those things as well. Doesn't feel good to have your dreams dashed by, by having to close down your business that you've been working for the last 25, 30 years. Doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel good when you're passed up for promotion. Doesn't, those, those don't feel good. But also, mark this, it, it, it also doesn't say we see that God causes all things for good and works them together, right? It doesn't say we see. It doesn't say we understand either what God is doing, right? It doesn't say we see. We do not understand. I want to read this verse here, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For we... For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God's speaking. Nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Yahweh says this. For as the heavens are are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We're not supposed to understand everything, brothers and sisters. Rather, what does it say? We know. Big difference from we feel to we see. We know. This is what you call faith. This is called confidence in what God says he's doing. We know this because we know our God. This is why it's important to know God. Otherwise, we'll go off our feelings. Otherwise, we'll go off our own understanding. 2020 has been a difficult year for me and a lot of reasons. Why? I, I, I get to know a lot of the hardships. I have the privilege of learning a lot of the hardships of our church family. There's a lot going on. Sickness, losing loved ones, certain sins, rebounding from sins. These are hard things. Personally, it's been a challenging year for me as well. Just when my brother called me and told me that my nephew, Jordan, has been diagnosed with leukemia. That was tough. That was tough. And what has been so encouraging to me and my family is that they, just, they made these wristbands right here. All right, It says Jordan Strong, and it has Proverbs three, five and six on it. And this is, the, this is what they've been clinging on to. This is what they've been promoting to family and friends, Christians and non-Christians, trying to talk about God through their trials. It says this, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? And look what it says, And do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him, and you'll make your past straight. My brother's been ministering to me. My my nephew's been ministering to my my sister in law Amy's been ministering to me. It doesn't say we see, but we know, but we trust. This is what the Bible says, and we know, and we know. Back in 1988, when my brother and I were uh, brothers and I were moving into from Monterey Park to Arcadia, which where they still my parents still live. I remember going to a a Pasadena Convention Center, right, kind of near Colorado, and there was a rug show. I remember as a boy we are going, it's it's fun to jump onto all those rolled up rugs, and it's kind of like a huge amusement park, right? But my mom wanted to look for an oriental rug, you know, one of those Persian rugs to, to roll out in our house. It was really cool, you know, as I got to check it out. Some had little tassels, and some didn't, and some were huge, some were colorful, some were a little bit more bland. But I looked on one side, the bottom side of it, as it was rolled up, it just looked like a hodgepodge of colors and threads, very chaotic. And I said, like, what's, what's the big deal about this? Even as a boy, I'm like, what, why are we here? you know? And then, but then you look on the top side, and it's like, whoa, it's a beautiful, organized, Ordered pattern that showed up. I like, wow, that's beautiful. And that's kind of like our lives right now, brothers and sisters. We could see the bottom side of that rug right now on this side of eternity. Amen. We kind of see some beauty. We kind of see faint uh, 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 hazes of goodness in, in our sufferings. But we don't get to see the top side till later. It's okay not to understand. This is why they call it faith. This is why Debbie read, for hope for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? We don't know the whole story. Someday we will, though. All right? Amen. Someday we will. So the for Romans 8:28, the first half starts off, ends up with for good. And We know that God calls all things to work together for good to those who love God. For good. What is good talking about here? Well, we're going to go to point number two now. How does God disciple his church? Point number two. God disciples us, Evergreen SGV, to perfection. To perfection. Verse 28. Let me keep reading here. In 29. Let's find out what this good is. Verse 28 says this. To those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, here it is now, to become conformed to the image of his son. What does that mean, pastor? To conform to the image of his son. You know what this means? This means we get to be like Christ someday. God has a plan to make you and me, Christians, to become like Christ that's for good. That's the ultimate good. What could be better than that? This is what God is talking about. And God's plan from the very beginning, before the foundations of the world were established, to make us make a humanity like His Son, Jesus Christ, to be with Christ forever. This is His plan. This is the good plan. This is the good purpose that God has. Turn with me to Philippians here. Turn right here to to right on your Bibles. Philippians chapter 3. All right, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians, uh, the joy book in the midst of all circumstances, joy book. But Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Look what it says here. So this is God's plan for our citizenship is in heaven. From which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is he doing? Verse 21. Who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. That means he's making us into like his son, Jesus Christ. And how does he do it? By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. God has supreme authority. God has all power. He's omnipotent. He's getting it done. But this perfection doesn't happen until we get to heaven. Just by looking at me, brothers and sisters, you know I'm not getting better, you know, physically. That's not happening. Actually, if, you, if, you, if you're honest with yourself, for those of us past our physical prime, things aren't getting better, right? You just got to look at yourself in the mirror and understand things are not getting better. And younger people, don't worry, you're going to get there too. So you can laugh all you want. <laughs> But this is where, in eternity, we're going to be in our perfect state. Sinless perfection. We're going to have our perfect bodies. We're going to be in the presence of our perfect God. This is God's ultimate plan, is to perfect us. This is what he's discipling us to become like, is to become perfect like Jesus Christ. That's what's happening. That's what's going to happen in the end. That's That's what we have to look forward to. Now, during this time, you know, of 2020, I've had time to kind of reflect on those who've been really instrumental in my life. And the older I get, I'm sure you guys could relate to me, the more I've become more, like, grateful for these people. And I look back and think back to my coaches that I've had. I've had some tremendous coaches some have passed away already, but uh, my coach, my college coach from USC, Coach Paul Hackett, I, I just reached out to him, just texting him, saying, "How you doing, Coach? Thank you so much for everything you've done for me. You know, and hopefully we're planning to catch up." And as I was just texting with uh, Coach Paul Hackett, I mean, he was tremendous. I mean, he gave me an opportunity to play. He gave me a, a full scholarship. He gave me my start in coaching. I mean, he, he, he means the world to me. But as I was just kind of thinking about it, my mind was drawn back to the August of 1998. August of 1998, what's the big deal that I'm back in Orange County now? UC Irvine, I was on, we used to practice at UC Irvine during training camp for three weeks. And you think Orange County, nice and cool. No, it was hot in Irvine, it was really hot. At least I thought it was hot. And training camp was tough. I mean, for, at the time, uh, you know, I was from junior college. I that, we practiced hard, but training camp was, was tough. We used to practice three times a day. They outlawed all this now. This is back, this, today, it's a lot easier. These, we used to practice three times a day. Victor, three times a day. And then to give us a day off, they practiced two times a day the next day. So go three, two, three, two, three, two, for three weeks. Are you kidding me? I mean, let me give you an idea. At 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, we're in our pads, running, sweating, doing drills, just grinding us out. And then they blow the horn. That's practice is done. They sit us down to give us some oranges, some bagels, and some yogurt. 20 minutes later, we're starting practice number two. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this? And we have a longer practice now after that. And after that, we get some lunch, and then we do some meetings. And we go out back on the field and do it again. And then we had meetings at night, and we have, they give us some food to keep us alive. And then I pass out, and I wake up, and, and we do it again. That one day felt like a week now. And I can't kid you now. I'm thinking to myself, this is my dream come true. I get to do what I want. I can't lie to you now. This thought of, man, do I want to leave this place? This is ridiculous. That thought did cross my mind. But you would be surprised, as rigorous as it is, and it was, how few people actually quit. Not many people did. I mean, there are a few, but most didn't. And and you may ask, why, Pastor? Why is it like that? And this is the things that I came up with because the expectation was very clear. When you go into training camp, you know it's going to be tough. It's supposed to be a grind, You know it. That's your expectation. I'm gearing up physically, mentally, emotionally to get this done. Secondly, you know it's for a limited time, for three weeks. It's not for 30 years, three weeks. I'm going to handle this. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Other people have gone through this before and survived. And thirdly, there's a purpose. This isn't just to torture ourselves, but there's a purpose. We're trying to get something done here. Because there's another test that's coming from, from another side of the country that we need to be ready for. So you're ready for this. So like You know what? All right. That's all I need to remember. Why are we doing this? Expectate, expectations are clear. So I believe during the present time, although we aren't glorified in heaven, God is doing this to us right now. He's training us. He's sanctifying us right now. Let me just read one verse that Debbie read. Uh, Romans eight 18. We're still in Romans. We haven't left Romans too far. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider, Paul writes, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So the expectation is there. That it's gonna, there is going to be suffering. There is going to be persecution. There may be more persecution for Christians. Real persecution in America coming up. Persecution is not only a possibility, it's a certainty for Christians. That's what Jesus says in John 15. If you want to take a strong stand for Christ, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. People may ridicule you. You may lose opportunities. Who knows, you may lose some privileges. You might get thrown in jail. Other Christians, professing Christians may criticize you you. Man, you're taking this too seriously, guys. God wants us to be happy. This is, you're doing it to yourself, right? I mean, other Christian, professing Christians may start saying these things. But we need to, to understand and have a clarity of uh, expectations. Because when we're unclear about our expectations, discouragement happens. People start tapping out. So when it says for our good, we need to define what good means. Is God meaning good just for our earthly good? We're gonna get, don't worry, you got fired, you'll get a better job. Don't worry, he or she's sick, but they'll recover. Don't worry, you know, you got financial losses, God's got more money for you. That might happen, but if it doesn't, I guess this is not working. I guess God's not working, or I guess God's not real. We need to be clear what the expectations are. God's good is for our glorification. Making us more like Christ. Washing us. Training us. Getting us more spiritually fit for him. This is the expectations. And notice that of Romans 8.18. It says this. For I consider that the suffering of this present time. It's for a limited time brothers and sisters this is not forever this is just for this side of eternity and look at what it says after that these sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is revealed to us there's a purpose in this god has a greater glory for us that's got to be clear in our minds as christians Because when that's clear, you're encouraged. Like, you know what? This is hard. It doesn't feel good. I don't even see it. But I know God's working. Because we know the Bible says. Now let's go to our third and final point here. How does God disciple his church? How is God discipling Evergreen SGV and the churches around the world? Point number three, God disciples us with a promise. This part's so exciting. This is not going to take very long to explain this. But this is probably the most encouraging part of this whole sermon. Verse 30, let's read it, brothers and sisters. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified, the Bible says. And if you you back up to verse 29, it says, He foreknown us. We're foreknown. For that means that God knew us from before eternity passed. Now, this is more than just a knowledge. I know who John is. I know who Marco is. I know who I know who Grace is. This is beyond that. This knowledge, this foreknowing, is a divine delight in us. God loved us before the foundations of the earth. He chose to. Love us. He had you and me in mind as he's creating the universe, speaking it into existence. That is love, that is love. And then it says the prog- this is called the unbreakable chain. Theologians call this whole uh, uh, progression the unbreakable chain, because it starts with God's foreknowledge, his God's love for us. Then it says, He predestined us. Like I said earlier, God is not reactionary. God has planned this from the very beginning. God is sovereign. There is no plan B as we talked about on Christmas Sunday. There is no plan B. There was only plan A from the very beginning. God had a plan. Totally planned. And he goes on to he called us. He summoned us. This is what theologians call the effectual call where the Holy Spirit gives us life, gives us eyes to e- see, ears to hear, and we, people shared a gospel with us, and we believe. He called us. Not only did he work on his hand, then he invades us and goes, mine, you're going to be mine. I'm adopting you as my daughter. Called. And then the next link in that chain is he justified us. That means we are innocent before God. No longer we're enemies or, or, or guilty. Well, we're innocent before God. And then the fifth and final link in that chain is he glorified us. That means we get to be like his son forever. Now this may... You may have overlooked this fact here as you read this here. Foreknown, predestined, called justified, glorified. Duh, 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 duh. All the EDs. This is past tense. God is speaking to us from his perspective here. God sees us as glorified in heaven. Remember, time and space do not confine our God. He sees the finished product. So this is a promise, Guys. God disciples us with a promise. Whatever God starts, he finishes. Amen? On the cross, he says, it is finished. This is the confidence that we have. And when you start thinking about it in these terms, how can you not be excited for what God is doing? God is is being good on the promises that he made to us. Look at how guaranteed this is. Look at verse 26. Let's back up to 826. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. He's praying for us with groanings too deep for words. Let's go to verse 34. Who is the one who, is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, Yes. Rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Do you see? The Godhead is securing this and guaranteeing that this is going to happen by praying. This promise is booked in by the Holy Spirit praying for us and Christ Jesus praying for us. That was loud, huh? (laughs) But this is what it is. I can't help it. This excites me. This excites you. Knowing this, this is our God. Now, in conclusion here, I just want to conclude and get ready for communion. i got two questions. One question is this. Remember the emphatic position to those who love God? As you're sitting here today on the grass or at home watching online, I'm going to ask a question. Do you love God? Because all these promises hinges upon that fact. Do you love God? Do you love Christ? If you do, praise God. Claim these promises that that God has done and he's going to do for you. But if you don't, these promises do not apply to you. If your dad or mom is a strong believer, but you're not a Christian, this is the day. This is the day where you could cry out to Christ and say, I want to follow you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. It's that day. This is the good news of Christ where we get to come to Him. Because He loves you so much, He's foreknown, He's loved you from the very beginning. You have an opportunity to say, Yes, I do love you, Lord. Then these promises are for you in an abundant fashion. Do you love Christ? Second question. To the saints here and at home, can you see the providence of God in your life? Think back. You look back in your life like, wow, man, I remember that accident. Wow, I remember this person just uh, uh, bumping into me uh, without even planned. Wow, I remember this opportunity just opened up. Wow, I remember I got sick and I wasn't going on that trip and there was an accident on the freeway. Wow, I I remember how uh, my great-great-grandfather did this and he died but kind of set things up for my family. Wow, I happened to be living in America instead of the old country. Wow, this is how I met your mom. Wow, my parents, this is how my parents met. This is Providence. And the more we're in tune to God and His Word, the more we're able to see the invisible hand of God moving in our lives. And when you're able to see this, this gives you greater confidence in what God is doing, even though it may be good or maybe bad or maybe neutral. This is something that we need to do. 2021, I have no idea what's gonna be like. I'm hopeful. I'm a fairly optimistic person all my life. I don't know. I, I like to think it will be more good, perhaps, easier, and we could kind of get back to normal life. But it may not. But it might. Let me just read Romans 8, 37. Look, you could tell this whole verse, this whole sermon's about Romans 8. Huh? Verse 37, But in all these things, these sufferings, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. We're more than conquerors, the Bible says. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, death and life pretty much covers it all, nor angels, the angelic world, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to, what? Separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That covers it all, brothers and sisters. We could approach this year, 2021, not looking backwards, but looking forward, looking at our Lord and Savior's face and have great confidence, no matter what he has for us, to walk in great confidence. Nothing could separate us from the love of Christ. Now, as we we get into communion time, this is a special Sunday for a lot of reasons. One, it's the Lord's Day, and now we get to take communion. I want to use an example of providence To prepare our hearts to take communion in a worthy manner. Amen? Providence is what put Jesus on the cross. Providentially, the greatest act of evil and sin took place when godless men put Jesus on the cross. Providentially, Caiaphas and Annas were in control. Providentially, Pilate, the spineless Pilate, was in control. Providentially, the Roman Empire was in control. Providentially, they shouted to release Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas instead of Christ. Providentially, his disciples denied him, all denied him to be, leave him alone. God used evil and sin. Why? Why? Go back to Romans 8:28 for good. To be more specific, for our good. This is the Christ we worship. So let's prepare ourselves to take communion. You have your elements. If you're in person, we have our elements here. If you're at home, fathers, take control. Make this a holy, serious time. Okay? And mothers, if you're at home, Take control. Children, everybody else, take this is a very serious time. If you are a Christian, be prepared to take communion. Also, the Bible says to take communion in a worthy manner. Are you in good standing with the local church here at Evergreen? And if you're a guest here, we welcome you to take communion. If you're a Christian, or if you're in good standing with your local church, we welcome you to take communion. And let's make sure we take communion in a worthy manner. Now, I want to acknowledge this. This has traditionally been Blessing Sunday at Evergreen SGV where pastors and other prayer people are able to bless uh, uh, family units and people. But as I was praying about it and talking to Pastor Ron and others about this, rather than looking to be blessed, let's dedicate 2021 and let's bless our Lord. Amen? Let's turn the blessing to the Lord and during this time, I want us to be prepared to, as Romans 12 once says, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. The Bible says that, that we're called to, uh, to be living sacrifices. And what Pastor Kenny said last week really struck home to me because I did it with my own family and we went through this individually but also together. But Pastor Kenny exhorted us last week and said, what area of your life do you need to surrender to him? He preached on Jesus' reign in our lives. Internally, what areas do we need to surrender? Is this an area of pride? Is this an area of money? Is this an area of, of, of control over people? These are some of the things I've repented of. I, this is my pride. Just, I need to release control. Trust God. Sometimes you can want things so much. Sometimes you can want your family, and church family, to be on fire for Christ. That it, it takes you to weird places. I need to repent of that. God is sovereign, not me. And so during this song here, I welcome you to sing unto the Lord, but also to use this time of song to do business with our Lord. What areas of your life, of our lives, do we need to surrender to Christ so that we could be more submitted to him, so we could offer our lives more purely as a living sacrifice to him for 2021? So let's prepare our hearts during this time and do business with our Lord. And after the song, we'll, we'll, I'll come back up and lead us in communion.